Hi everyone, and welcome to another episode of James Talks. Really great to be with you again. Um, I've got a, another guest here with me today, a new guest. Um, her name is Sarah Simmons, um, who is a new friend of mine from the States, um, a writer, um, a blogger, and um, she's pretty cool. I've got to know her on Twitter, and I saw some of her stuff and thought that she'd be really great to come on. James Talks. So, welcome, Sarah. It's great to have you uh, on here today. Thanks. It's great to be here. Um, so, tell us a bit about, like, tell us a bit of your story. Wow. Um, my story. Well, that is always a big question. Um, but as it pertains to what I'm doing um, as a writer and a creative and kind of just my view of the world, I came from um, a really uh, kind of mixed background as far as I grew up in a home that would have said it was very Christian. Um, I'm in the middle of seven kids, which is crazy. Yeah, it was always a madhouse growing up. Um, And I love my family very much, but at the same time, we dealt as many families do with a lot of dysfunction. Um, and when I was in, I believe middle school, my mom was diagnosed with clinical depression Right. and that was a really difficult time for us. And, um, there was a lot of strife, a lot of chaos in our home during that time. And, um, I didn't realize until many years later, but that was something that was very prevalent in our whole family. Um, Mm -hmm. and something that I've really just always struggled with myself. And so, um, I had my first real experience with faith in high school and I was probably 15 or 16 and I got involved in a church and, um, it was a very charismatic church. And so there's a very, um, experiential focus, which I think is great, but sometimes doesn't take into account the fact that everybody experiences God so differently. And, um, Mm. during that time, I kind of felt like I was living two different lives. My family was going through this just incredible time of turmoil. And then, um, I was trying to figure out how to pursue this new relationship with Jesus that became so important to me. And I felt like there was something very, very wrong with me because I didn't hear God the way other people seemed to hear God. I didn't um, have this ability to just pray and my problems go away. Um, there was, it was like there was always this sense of darkness and shame that just followed me around. Mm. Um, it was like, like, uh, like a stray dog I fed or something. Just could never get get rid of it. And. Yeah. People said things like, um, you know, if you if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all, even about yourself. And they meant, you know, things that that would, you know, we'd interpret more as like Philippians four a, like think on good things and all of that. But instead, um, it was more of a a thing that I heard is, don't tell us what your problems are and don't talk to us. Um, and so for a lot of years, I was in this, this kind of torn state. Um, I have always been really creative, really artistic, but at the same time, 
Um, I was in a very pragmatic environment that told me that I would not be able to make a living creatively. And at the same time, I began to discover that I had a passion for ministry and I was gifted for leadership. And so the gifts that were really validated and encouraged were things like speaking and, um, like strategy and service and things like that. So I began to feel just a reinforced sense of that shame that there's something wrong with this creative side of me. There's something wrong with this dark side of me. Um, but what is valued is leadership and strength and strategy, all of Mm -hmm. which are good things that I'm, I'm really grateful for. Um, but that really just kind of created this incredible dichotomy in my relationship with God, where I really loved him and felt he was really changing my life and had called me to things that um, I wanted to do. But at the same time, I felt like he was pushing me into this creativity and and, um, this sense of just looking at the world from a beautiful perspective that was not validated or valued. So I had this really torn perspective that there was something terribly wrong with me and that God couldn't actually want me the way he made me. And so I struggled with a lot of confusion, a lot of deep, deep depression. Um, I had several planned suicide attempts. I did not carry any of them through, thank God. Um, and in Mm -hmm. college, I struggled deeply with self-harm. I was cutting because there was so much pain in my life from, um, the dysfunction in my family, from traumas I had experienced, from just feeling like I couldn't find a place in the world that I couldn't even identify my own emotions. And the only way I knew to get them out was to cause harm to my body which I know sounds crazy if someone hasn't walked through that, but it's, mm. it's a very real thing. A lot of people deal with. Mm. Yeah. So, so I was struggling with that. And then I was going to college very much against my will, but people told me it was the right thing to do and pragmatic and all of that. And, um, towards the end of college, I got a scholarship to study art in Paris for a term. And wow. so, Yeah, it was incredible. Um, It's actually, I was there eight years ago um, this month. And so I was suddenly removed from my entire um, support system, from everybody who had any expectations on me, from um, needing to care for my family, from needing to be a leader in my church, from any um, just plans that I or anybody else had for my future And I didn't have any friends and my host mom, they said she would speak English, but she knew the word three and I didn't know French. So I literally had no one to talk to for a couple months and yeah, it was incredible. The first couple weeks I cried like every single day. I was like, what have I done with my life? But, um, it really taught me to, to find God in the silence and the stillness and the brokenness. And Mm. it was like for the first time in my life, I could hear that he loved me and that just the way the scholarship happened and all of it, there was no way I should have gotten it. I missed deadlines and it it just really seemed like 
um, an unusual circumstance, a God thing to me. And so to look at that and think like, wow, you orchestrated this whole thing, took me halfway around the world to get me by myself doing and seeing things I love. And you just did that because you love me. And so there can't really be something that wrong with me, can there, if you would do all of that. And so that was kind of my first um, real experience with believing that God was actually who I said I believed him to be and also believing that he's who Mm. I say I am or that I'm who he says I am. So um, I came back and... Um, shortly after that, I wound up having a youth ministry kind of dropped into my lap. Um, right. yeah, yeah, kind of a, a plot twist. So, um, <laughs> a few months later, I found out two hours before my first service that, um, the youth pastors had resigned and due to, um, some medical issues with their, uh, daughters. And so, there'd been a miscommunication and I was supposed to have been told, but, um, I was suddenly a youth pastor. And so, yeah, yeah. So it was this really interesting kind of like, I had this amazing taste of this creative life and, um, this new understanding of who I am. And then it was like that door just kind of closed. And so being a very extreme person, um, and I go all in with whatever I do, I very unwisely just shut that door in my heart to that creative side and just went all in with um, leadership and ministry and um, learning structures and, and organization and things like that, which was very good to learn all those things. I'm so grateful for that time. And I got to walk alongside some really amazing young people and I loved my church and Um, it was just, it was a really good time, but the things that were going on internally were really stifling and really, um, really unhealthy. And during those years, we went through a lot of, um, bumps and tragedy as a church community. Um, we had some differences of doctrine and opinion and a bunch of people left. And that was very hurtful, um, on both sides, I think, um, a lot of relationships were really broken there and that was difficult. And then, um, gosh, this must've been 2011, I think was a really rough year for us. Um, just as a body overall. And we went through a lot of tragedy. My pastors who are some of my best friends in the whole world lost their little boy. Uh, yeah, it was, it was the most horrific thing. It was like, watching the people you love more than anything in the world being tortured as they walked through that grieving process. And, um, so just being really up close to that, I had an accident that year. I got hit by an SUV when I was out on a run. Um, and so I wound up in like physical Mm -hmm. therapy and things like that for a year. And, um, just a lot of things like that were going on. So, um, I had this kind of buried, passion and dream to do creative things, but I loved ministry. And yet I was still, um, dealing with a lot of tragedy, both around me and in my life. And, um, there were a lot of broken things in me that were surfacing during that season that, um, I just kept trying to bury and bury and bury until 
um, you know, they all kind of started just busting out at the seams as yeah. happens when you bury it. So, um, after that, I wound up moving to Atlanta and working with a nonprofit there for a few years where I actually had the really amazing privilege of serving other youth pastors, um, and workers who were going through really broken situations. And I learned in that, that my heart is not so much for ministry as far as being on a stage or for the structural aspect of it, but I love walking through darkness with people. I love it. It's, I know it might seem like weird or whatever because it's darkness, but it's where I really feel like I come alive. And, mm-hmm. um, during that time we worked crazy, ridiculous amounts of hours and it was exhausting and it was fun. And we did all sorts of things that, um, I can never be grateful enough for those experiences. But at the same time, it was reinforcing that, um, be a strong leader, be pragmatic, um, do the things that are good for other people and just burying that creative side. Um, Mm. so last summer, actually I'd been working there, um, and had been a part of that organization for a few years last summer. Um, my boss who's amazing called me into her office and I'd known we were having some troubles financially as an organization. Um, And with tears in her eyes, she told me my position was eliminated and she was going to give me severance through the next three months. And then, um, she only wanted a couple more weeks of me in the office and said like, Hey, go find something. And so for the first time in my life, I felt like I had this, um, just huge opportunity to rewrite my story or write the next chapter of my story, however I wanted it to look. And I was terrified and I was heartbroken and I didn't want to leave Atlanta. Um, I didn't want to leave the family I'd gained there, but I knew that there was, there was something coming that was going to be really great. So through a random course of circumstances, I got a position in Nashville, Tennessee, um, with, an organization called Mercy Multiplied. And it is an organization that um, works with young women who have life controlling issues. So I work with and walk alongside young girls and young women who have eating disorders or chemical dependency or have walked through um, sex trafficking even. Mm -hmm. And Uh, Many of them who struggled with the same things that I've struggled with, with depression, with self-harm, with not having a sense of worth. And um, it just so happened that around that same time, my schedule worked out that I could finally find a creative outlet. And so just kind of, you know, at the back of my mind, I kept thinking like, oh, I should start a blog. I should start a blog. And, um... I finally did. And what was amazing to me with that is that after years of hearing, um, even more in my own head than anybody else's voice, that creativity was selfish and that, um, you needed to hide your darkness. You needed to hide your struggles. You couldn't be open about who you are and what you deal with. 
as I began to put these words out into the world and um, learn to share them and just kind of be open with people about what had happened in my life and what um, sometimes I still struggle with, there is just this outpouring of response of people saying me too and um, just so connecting with it. And so it just kind of blew my mind really to see like, man, when I'm open and when I'm honest and when I really bear my soul to people and let them see the painful parts of my life. And when I do it in a way that I'm made to do it creatively and poetically and all of those things, it really does resonate with people. So maybe there's really not so much wrong with me anyway, you know, after all, maybe this is how it's supposed to be the whole time. And there are things you learn along the way. Um, and, uh, just struggles and trials. I feel like you just have to go through, but ultimately just now where I am is coming to the realization that, that this, this is it all along, just, um, walking with broken people, loving them and being really honest about my own brokenness so that others can find hope like I've found. So Mm. yeah, that's, that's, I guess, <laughs> that's amazing. Uh, that's a phenomenal story. Um, wow, I don't even know where to begin. Um, so much, um, yeah, <laughs> um, so much grace in there. Yeah, is what I is what I notice. You know, the, yeah, so much of just in you know all this all this conflict I've been through and struggle, uh, I'm found that I'm enough, you know? Um, and the awesome thing I suppose is that you've been able to use your own experiences to help others in theirs. And that's, I always, I I love that when that happens. I mean, that's, I see that so often when people like, um, with people who have been through something and one of the ways that they get healing is by helping other people who are going through the same thing. Yeah. It's just, it's such an amazing thing. Um, it really is. Yeah. So, okay. So, what do you, so? Tell us a bit about your your writing, your blog, um, and what that what that's all about, and what that explores, what you explore on on your blog. Yeah. Um, well, my blog is really just a place um, to give what I felt like I didn't receive. Really, mm. like you were saying to. Um, take those experiences and those hurts and those things I felt like I had to hide Mm. and to just make a safe place for people. Um, through all of that, through my whole journey, I never stopped wanting to change the world. I never stopped wanting to make it more beautiful and make it a better place, make it a safer place for people. Um, I never stopped wanting to ultimately find joy, but not like, just a happiness, like a joy that nothing can take away. And I really want that for other people. And I believe that our stories are so important and our experiences and pain really are the fuel that we have to transform the world around us. And everyone's experience is unique. Um, For some people, it's mental illness. For some people, it's the loss of a child or walking through a horrible disease or, um, the loss of a job, but in the midst of it, in the here and now and today 
in the darkest times, there's still something worth celebrating. There's still some joy. There's still hope to be found. And there's still people that we can love and serve and impact in the midst of that. And so I guess ultimately it all just comes down to hope that the dark days don't last forever, that there's something beautiful on the other side and taking where we are, I call it beautiful between just taking where we are today um, and making it something beautiful when it's not perfect and it's not what we dreamed or what we expected or, you know, what we want. Um, So for me, that's, talking about depression, that's talking about, um, being single still, you know, many of my friends have already had kids and, um, been married and all of that. And I'm still very, very much single. And that can be a painful thing, especially as we head into wedding season, Mm. um, or just, just, um, thinking that ministry and life and a career would look very different than it does to me or, um, gosh, having moved so often and feeling like I don't have roots or a home, but at the same time, I can flip that perspective and look at all the incredible people I've met around the country and around the world and all the opportunities I've had. Mm. And so it's really just about finding joy in the mess and the imperfect life and hope that things are beautiful and they will be beautiful. That's, that's beautiful in itself. Uh, <laughs> um, so what does joy in the mess look like for you in your, in your everyday life, you know, right now? Yeah. Um, well, right now I'm honestly in a really difficult period. Um, I've been struggling with that lately and it looks like a lot of counting the little things as the big things. It looks like a lot of when the sun's out going on a walk and closing my eyes and feeling it on my face and looking at the way the sunlight reflects off of the leaves and the shadows play in them. It looks like um, sitting with some of the girls that I work with at Mercy and realizing what an incredible privilege it is that they let me into their stories and they share their trauma with me and their darkest moments, but also that they share fun um, and laughter with me. Um, Sometimes it means texting my sister and asking her what ridiculous thing my three-year-old niece said today, you know, Mm -hmm. like celebrating that I have relationships and people who love me and, um, telling them what I'm thinking about them. That's really important to me is, um, making sure that people know that they're loved and they're valued when I'm proud of them, when I see them doing something right. And, in the midst of the darkness, in the midst of depression and anxiety and pain and, you know, wishing things were a little bit different, those things are like the little breadcrumbs that lead you home, kind of. There's there's a way to walk through all of this. There's a way to shine a little bit of light onto somebody else's path that lets me see a little bit more for my own. 
Mm. Yeah. I actually talked to, um, I think it's a neuro, uh, yeah, a neurologist. Um, no, neuroscientist, sorry, neurologist. And, uh, and this is, um, been on my podcast, but there's a part of the brain that, um, that apparently when we, when we serve other people without thinking of an exchange, yeah, outside the, the social contract, as it were, there's something, there's some chemical that gets produced in our brain which brings joy. That's awesome. You know, so we're kind of hardwired. It's kind of like we're scientifically hardwired to serve others without thinking of ourselves. Yeah, you know? that's so cool. You know, and I love stuff like that. It always like gets me excited that kind of thing because it's yeah, like, yeah, awesome. there's a god, yeah. <laughs> um, he made us that way. That makes yeah. sense. Um, but yeah, so I, I mean, it's just. But I know what you mean about the little things because you have to find joy in those things, um, not just wait for the big moments because the big moments don't come around very often, and you know, and also and. Because they're so few, they're like big highs and then you come down again. Um, and I mean, I struggle to find those little, those little moments. It's, it's really, it's really easy to take things for granted. It's it really is. easy to, or to, or even worse, to not see anything at all, you know, um, to not have anything to take for granted in the first place, you know? Yeah. So, um, that's awesome. Um, so, <sighs> What have your experiences taught you about grace and what that is and what that, you know, how you experience that? <laughs> yeah. Um, I know everyone else on the, who's listening can't hear me, but I just got the biggest smile on my face. Um, man, grace is everything. It really is. It is it is so compelling and it's so captivating and it just real grace when you encounter it just makes you stare in wide eyed, open mouthed wonder because you can't believe that you could ever be loved like that. And in my darkest moments and when I struggled with the worst shame, when I was a, um, a youth worker who was secretly struggling with self-harm or when everybody around me seemed to have this like direct line to God and I couldn't hear him like that. I was so just filled with shame that, that there was just something so incredibly wrong with me and I must've failed so horribly. And, um, how could I ever be loved? And how could I ever be wanted? And how could there ever be a place for me at this table of the family of God? I don't belong there. Mm. I'm too messed up for that. I'm way too broken. Way, Mm. way, way too broken. And yet through my entire story, through my whole life, I just see these threads of God pursuing me and coming after me and just telling me over and over again, there's nothing wrong with you. You're exactly how I want you. You matter so much. And I could see that for everybody else around me, but I couldn't see that for me. <laughs> yeah, I'm laughing because um, because this is exactly my own experience. <laughs> you yeah. Know? Like, and still I struggle with it. You know, it's like yeah. I can see, like, everyone else is more important than me. 
you know. Yeah. Like my, you know, my, my, that's my background, getting bullied and, you know, pro- pro- parents at home problems and losing mom, my mum and all that. You yeah. know, you get to think, you train your brain almost to think that everyone else is more important. And yeah. that's actually not servant-hearted at all. It's actually um, just putting yourself down. It's like yeah. saying, I'm not as worthy of being loved. Yeah. Um, I'm not as worthy of uh, of God's love and of other people's love as other people are, and that's and it's not true. That's not true because God grace is based. I mean, I I talk about this in my book, um, which is about grace, but it's grace is kind of confronts the truth, mm-hmm. like the, it confronts the the bad stuff that we've done and exposes that to the light. Yeah, and but at the same time, it confronts the the other truth, which is that we are unconditionally loved and accepted as we are. Yeah. And those two truths are equally difficult for us to accept, I think. So much so. Um, yeah. That's why I love grace. I think you know, like, grace is, grace, you're right, grace is everything. You know, grace is where it all begins kind of thing. Yeah. I think Richard Raw said God, uh, God is grace. I think that's what he said. Um, that's awesome. I love that. Um how do you extend that grace to other people? I think it becomes really easy when you're so aware of how much has been extended to you. Um, so when I was, I don't know, 21, 22, something like that, and I was struggling really badly with self-harm one night, I... Um, I realized if I didn't get help, I was going to die. Um, I was going to kill myself and I showed up at this, um, couple's house from our church and I, oh my gosh, I can feel my heart pounding right now, remembering how terrified I was to tell them, but I told them and they met me with so much grace and I will never forget the husband looked me in the eyes and said, I'm not disappointed in you. And I didn't even know what to say. Like, I didn't have a grid for that. I, that rattled me so much. Like, you should be disappointed in me. I'm really messing up right now. I'm doing bad things. And um, those words just kind of rattled around inside of me. And slowly I began to realize if this guy who's so human could not be disappointed in me, Um then maybe God wasn't. And so that mm. began to slowly take hold in my heart. And I began to really believe that. And I began to see all the times where grace ran towards me when I wanted to run from it, when I fought it, when I was angry, um, when I cussed God out, you know, all those things. And so I am painfully aware that I am one who's been forgiven much and one who's been healed of much and one who's been and is being redeemed of much. So when I have, gosh, one of my girls at the treatment center where I work come up to me and tell me they did the same thing, they self-harmed or they're struggling with um, eating disorder behaviors or somebody hurts me and betrays me and stabs me in the back, but then like has the courage and the grace to own it. Like I always try to say that same phrase because it was so 
just the proof of grace to me. I tell people I'm not disappointed in you. I don't think less of you because you're struggling. Um, I respect you and I'm proud of you for owning up to it. And I don't know. I just think that we can extend what we've received Mm. so well. And um, as long as we continue to drink deeply of that grace and recognize that we need it, um, and not try to deceive ourselves into thinking that we're self-made men and women, then yeah. it's a lot easier to give it out. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I love talking about grace. I <laughs> um, such a Yeah, it's such an important subject, and it's something that we don't talk about enough, I think. You know, yeah. I, you don't hear enough about it, you know. Um and I just believe it passionately, you know, that, you know, we put our security and our identity in what we do and in, you know, and in our achievements and our relationships or, or whatever, um, or our status or our wealth or whatever. And when we have a failure and when things go wrong, because they do, because that's life. Yeah. Um, then we kind of fall apart more than we would have done. But yeah. when we kind of begin with grace and, you know, I'm enough, I, you know, I belong, I'm lovable, I'm choosable, um, I might be, I might be a bit broken, but I'm still lovable and choosable just as I am. Yeah. And that's our security. And then, in theory, that kind of takes away fear and you can just risk, you know, it's like Brené Brown talks about, you know, vulnerability. Grace and vulnerability kind of go together a lot, I think. Yeah, they do. Um, because you have to be vulnerable to um, allow grace in the door, in a sense. Um, yeah, that's so true. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's just, your story is so powerful. It's so, it is a real story of <laughs> kind of living grace in a way. Yeah. You know, and you're literally, you've received that grace and, you have, and you're now passing it on to other people in your work, you know, I mean, in your writing and in your job, you know, that's what, you, that's what you're doing. Um, and that's really awesome. Thank you. It's the biggest privilege. I feel like I'm, I, I just, I feel so happy doing it. It's, it's like just that sense of like, wow, this is really what I was made for. Mm, yeah. So, from what you've learned and what you've written about, how do you think that we can live a life of a meaningful life of of purpose, with, despite our disappointments and and you know despite the pain, despite all the messiness of life? How do we find that life of meaning and purpose? I think really. Um... I think it, it really comes down to a few things. One is that um, just seeking joy in the small things and valuing our lives as the gifts that they are, um, even when they don't feel that way, even when it looks like everything's falling apart or hitting the fan, like finding, even if it's just one little thing to be grateful for that day, um, even keeping a gratitude journal. I was really, really influenced when I read 1000 gifts by Ann Voskamp. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, just that, that sense of gratitude and seeing the littlest things for the miracle that they are. I think that's, um, that's a, that's a big key because I think that we get so quick to run to purpose and, um, this great sense of calling or whatever, when in reality, this world is really beautiful for a reason. Like life is really wonderful. Um, and so much of the meaning can be found in just contentment in um, being satisfied with the little things. So I think that is the first thing, just really pursuing that contentment and that joy by seeing the beautiful things in your life. I think um, the next thing is really chasing hard after your own wholeness. And this is something that I did not do well for a very long time. Um, I thought it was better to turn away from and bury my pain and my problems, thinking that I was being selfish to focus on myself um, and I needed to focus on others. And it just kept coming back and biting me and blowing up in my life. And I realized finally that I cannot give anything I don't have. Just like with grace, I can give the grace that I've received I can give the wholeness that I've received and I can walk with others towards it because I've learned that I need to do things like set good boundaries and, um, the counseling is a good thing and, mm-hmm. um, learning to sow into and, and really build up the relationships that are healthy and life guilt, life giving and take a respectful step back from ones that are really draining and are not healthy for you. Um, And that is something that over the past few years, as I've really learned to chase hard after my own wholeness and fight for it, to take responsibility for my own story Mm. and not allow circumstances to make me a victim. um, I've seen such an increase in my ability to impact others because Mm. now I I'm not just still in it. You know, there's still things that I'm walking through and probably will for the rest of my life. Yeah. But I can say to other people like, no, there is hope because my Mm -hmm. life is better since I did this. And so I think out of those two things, we really grow our sense of purpose and our sense of, um, that meaning that's where you start to find like, okay, I have these pieces. I have these things I'm passionate about that I take joy in. And I have this story, this experience I've walked through that I've fought to become more whole. And how do those marry together in my every single day life to create what my purpose is? And for someone that might be that they are really fascinated by science and reason and logic. And they had a family member who died of cancer. And so out of that, they realize I want to be a hospice nurse. Um, or it could be that like, like me, you see the beauty in the world, you see the color and the sound and the, um, just the little tiny everyday miracles and you're creative, but then you've walked through a lot of brokenness. And so you marry those two together and you just want to give hope to people and you want to do it in maybe a more creative way, whether that's through art or dance or, um, writing, you know, whatever it is. I think that 
that we have to marry those three things together. Otherwise, if we're missing any one of them, our lives will, um, they won't be the full thing that they were meant to be. They won't be that really rich kind of tapestry of beauty and grace that I believe God has intended for all of us. Yeah. Wow. That's so moving. Um, so inspiring. Um, really great. Um, I was just uh, thinking about about, your write, about writing about creativity as how this has impacted your creativity. You know, um, because it's because it's kind of birthed a lot of your story has birthed the writing, the blog, the you know the yeah. ebook that's on your blog. That's come out of something that's 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 authentically you come out of your story you know uh-huh. um and i think that's you know i mean just um just unpack that a little bit just as far as um yeah i mean how, how my creativity has been impacted by uh, by your story, story yeah yeah sorry i didn't articulate that very well no that's great that's great <laughs> I'm on the right page um I think that is an ever unfolding process. Um, I think that is something that I'm still very much in the midst of learning. Um, But I would say because of the life I've lived so far and what I've walked through um, and always having a sense of needing to hide parts of myself, it's very, very important to be authentic um, and not necessarily oversharing, but yeah. to be vulnerable. And that was always something I sort of aspired to um, and respected and appreciated, but did not feel the freedom to pursue. Mm. Um, and actually, I sort of fell into it with writing accidentally. Um, I, early on... Uh, met somebody who was writing about mental health and faith. Um, and I was like, Oh, this is really, really interesting. And, um, I invited him to post on my blog and then he was like, well, do you want to write for mine? And, um, I, the only story I could think of to tell was that story about, um, when I was younger and self-harming and, Uh, someone told me they weren't disappointed in me. So it just sort of came out uh, naturally and unexpectedly and terrifyingly. Um, And yeah, it was just not what I, what I was expecting really to be writing about or to be talking about or sharing with the world. But um, I think authenticity is, really just just a hallmark of something that our culture so needs and craves. I think that's why we see so much oversharing um, in social media and just media in general. But I do think that um, the power of story and the power of honesty and the power of um, coming from a really raw place sometimes is so much greater than the power of something well-crafted or... Um, you know, just just something that's pretty, if that makes sense. Yeah, 
I think that rawness is really, really a key. And that's something that I don't know if I would have had or would have valued um, being a perfectionist like I am if I hadn't walked through so much brokenness in my life. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 totally, I completely agree with you. I mean, it's just, it's not about the most well-crafted, slick, you know, material. It's about the most authentic material, which resonates with our story, which connects with us. Uh-huh. Because I always tell people, you can smell when something is authentic. Yeah. Even when you don't, even on a subconscious level, you can't, even if you may not be aware of it consciously, that some, something about a piece, a piece of work that isn't authentic can, yeah. can resonate. Just feel it. Yeah. And the more you, the more you look for it, the more you can, the more you can see it. Cause some of it's really subtle, you know? Yeah. Um, and yeah. And it's a challenge as a writer. I know as a writer that to, to be authentic because you can have this, I because it's like uh, the Heisenberg principle. Like when you know, like when you know something's going to be observed, it subconsciously impacts how you, how you create, how you craft it, how you shape it, even if you don't want it to. Yeah. And that can, and that that's that's something that's really a challenge for for all. I mean, for writers definitely, you know, for all yeah. artists, you know, is to is to is to not allow that to happen and. You know, I know that sometimes I've let standards slip on my with my writing, and I have to really go after just like really. That's what the art. That's what the craft is about. It's not about making it perfect. It's about it's about really digging into what's really going on. Yeah. Um, and I certainly see that in your work. You know, what, the stuff I've read, um, and do check out Sarah's blog as well. It's um, uh, what's the what's the what's the website? Um, it- beautifulbetween.com beautifulbetween.com um it's brilliant it's just so good and there's a really little there's a nice little ebook on there as well which you can get free um which is fantastic um yeah so just just a couple more things um how has your how have your experiences impacted your like your your one-to-one relationship with with god and you know, your you know, your perspective on faith. I am as much as I would never wish some of my experiences on anybody. I am so grateful for them um, because God is not someone in a book to me. Um, he is not an idea or a philosophy or something that was handed to me. Um, He has become, in every way, my closest friend and the person that I wrestle with in my darkest times and the one who sees me at my very, very worst. Um, There have been times where I have literally told God if he would show his face, I would slap it. And I've, you know, said horrible things to him and things that would end any human relationship, but he's Mm. never bailed on me. You know, he's never 
left. He's never pushed me into anything, um, any level of relationship with him that I was not ready for. Um, he's always been kind and patient and gentle and, um, just okay with wherever I was at the moment and always willing to walk with me through it. And I think that's so different than the God that I thought, um, I was being taught about. I think that's so different than the God that a lot of times the church shows to culture. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think that's way more consistent with the Jesus that we see in the Bible. He always went to people in their most broken places. He always touched people who were, um, untouchable according to religious leaders and, so I guess my experiences and my brokenness have really just showed me that God is who he says he is. Like, he's the real deal. Wow. That's awesome. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. Um, great answer. Wow. Um, okay, so just one final thing. If you were to be asked to say one thing, to give hope to somebody who's really struggling, who's really going through the valley, who's really you know, going through the darkness, and you can only say one thing, what, what would you say? Oh, my gosh. There's so much I would say. Um, <laughs> I would say that hope is real. That... That you matter and your story matters and that you are not forgotten. I'm probably cheating and saying more than one thing right now, but it's fine. <laughs> hope is really real that there is a way out that dark days don't last forever. That there is a sun that still shines and that it is possible to walk through and even learn to live with your brokenness and learn to live in the valley in a way that is still meaningful and still beautiful even on the days you don't want to get out of bed even on the days where you think you'll never feel happy again hope is still real wow brilliant absolutely brilliant thank you so much sarah for um for coming on today and sharing um your story and being so vulnerable here it's really Really appreciate it. And I think a lot of people are going to benefit from from this as well. So thank you. Um, thank you. And yeah, we'll, maybe we'll have you back sometime as well. And that would be great. I would love that. Um, so um, that's it for this week, everybody. And um, we'll talk to you soon.